Want to go on to Rich's case? Rich? I saw this lady, lovely lady, in early 2002. She presented at that time with a discharge from her breast. She saw a local surgeon who did a smear which showed atypical cells. To make a very long story short, she had a mammogram and an MRI at that time, and she ended up having two lesions that were isolated and biopsied, and subsequently they were in different quadrants. She went to Memorial and she had a mastectomy that revealed two lesions. One was 8 millimeters and one was 2.5 centimeters. Both lesions were tested. They were ER positive, PR negative, HER2, 3 plus, and she had a sentinel node, and I don't recall exactly how many nodes she had, but she had negative nodes both by IHC and h and She saw me as well as many people, and after multiple consultations, she got FEC for adjuvant therapy. And it's interesting, when I look back at my consult, I commented that data is beginning to show that the finding of a HER2-positive tumor implies better response to anthracycline. So it just tells you how we were thinking six years ago versus what we would do today. Anyway, she got her FAC. It was uneventful. She did not require post-mastectomy radiation based on the size and her negative lymph nodes and her margins. She was perimenopausal at the time of her initiation of chemotherapy. She was 51. We recommended that she receive tamoxifen. She declined tamoxifen. I don't recall why at that point. So she was started on aromatase inhibitors, and we followed her levels every three months. And I'm comfortable now, in retrospect, saying that she was postmenopausal. She started at that time on Arimidex, and she had lots and lots of problems with arthralgias over the next couple of years. We went from Arimidex to Aromacin to Femara, and, and we did a little baby aspirin, and we did some Celebrex, and we did all kinds of stuff. We did exercise, and I always was uncomfortable how compliant she was with her aromatase inhibitors. Let me just stop at this point and ask Frankie what her thoughts are about this issue of adherence with hormonal therapy in general, aromatase inhibitors specifically, and any home remedies or suggestions about the arthralgias of AIs? If it hurts, it makes you feel bad. It's just hard to get people to take it. I mean, it's the same thing why we gave up on the oral CMF, which I'm now going back to. How can you make sure those people are taking that cytoxan? Because it makes them feel nauseated. If it hurts, it makes you feel bad. Heck, I have trouble taking my Boniva once a month because I have such terrible heartburn. Rich has such a great setup there, and there's a really holistic approach to breast cancer. A lot of you have breast cancer practices. I was telling him that I have this pet theory that massage and stretching will help the arthralgias of AIs. I don't know if anybody's ever tried it or recommended it. Has anybody ever asked, had patients check that out? So we have a LeBed program, which I certainly can't explain to you, but which is a post-lymphedema prevention program with lots of stretching. So we brought that up, and we're going to try to see if we can look at that just subjectively from the patients. I, yeah. I find when I have aches and pains, massage and stretching kind of helps. How do you approach these patients? I mean, usually we're just trying to switch around, as in this case. Anything besides switching around, Melody, that seems to work? I have a rheumatology friend that I send them to, and that's sort of my approach to these non-cancer issues within internal medicine. I try and develop specialists who see a lot of them. And sometimes they have a true rheumatologic disorder. Sometimes they have fibromyalgia, and this person starts them on an antidepressant. I try what you try, switching from one thing to another. I think some patients find that glucosamine chondroitin Mm -hmm. actually helps. 
I have a theory that one of the reasons it's worse in the adjuvant patient than the menopausal patient is because they've also just finished chemotherapy, and there seems to be this sort of rheumatism that comes with post-chemotherapy and all the steroids and whatnot we get. Right, I agree. The thing is, though, that you said two years later she was still having these problems, right. and usually those post-chemotherapy arthralgias go away within six months or so. So actually, Rich, you had just seen this lady recently, and maybe we can bring her up to date in terms of where she's at. So I saw her in the spring, and she was feeling well, and she was HER2 positive, and we were fortunate we were participating in the TEACH trial. So we talked about the TEACH trial, and she met with the research nurse. And Can you just, explain what the TEACH trial is? Well, I guess it's a double-blind trial for patients who have not had Herceptin, where they're offered either placebo or lipatinib as a single agent. So you were thinking about that for her? Yes. Had you actually discussed it? We did. We talked about it. And just at that time, her mom got sick. And so we sort of got tied up. Her mom had lung cancer, and she was traveling. I think it was to Florida and whatnot. Right before one of her trips to Florida, she called me and said she was having some back pain. I said, well, come on in. I'm going to Florida. I said, okay, maybe I'll follow up my internist. I went on vacation, and I called her when I came back. It turned out that she had come into the emergency room with shortness of breath, with pleuritic chest pain. Yeah, can you just keep going right up to the present? So she came into the emergency room right about that time, and she had a CT of her chest, and in all their wisdom, the emergency room doctor walked into the room and said, you have widely metastatic disease and you're going to die. Literally, was it an insensitive interaction? It was just so dumb. So dumb. And Do you think he really did something like that? He certainly could have been more sensitive. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody. I think you just need to be aware of, you know, we get busy and we say stuff and we don't realize that we're busy and, you know, your kid is calling you because he's got to be picked up and whatever's going on. And I think you just have to take a step back before you say things to people. So she was really upset. So she was, she had just lost her mother. She had just come back. She was totally blown away. She has liver mets and she has some small lung nodules, which probably accounted for her pleuritic pain. And she has bone disease. Can I ask a couple more questions? Tell me about her lung mets. Little tiny... She's got tiny little stuff in her liver. She's got tiny little stuff in her lungs. I think the pleuritic chest pain was probably a bone mat. She's got a palpable liver. She had normal LFTs in May. She has abnormal LFTs now in the hundreds, transaminases, normal bilirubin. Alkfos was 200. The bulk of her, quote, symptomatic disease, I think, is mostly her liver disease. Well, I think this is a lady who needs the kitchen sink. So I would give her chemotherapy plus trastuzumab. So interestingly enough, we biopsied her liver. I always feel better when I do that. It was ERPR negative from the liver biopsy, but her two positive, three plus, and we didn't fish them at that time. When you say chemotherapy, what agents or agent most likely? In this situation, I would use combination chemotherapy with trastuzumab and the information on the weekly taxol carbo. Trastuzumab, extremely well tolerated, right. AUC of 2 on the carbo and 80 per meter squared on the taxol. And again, if the insurance would cover it, I'd use NAB rather than paclitaxel. If she had been confirmed ER positive, and I'll ask you what you think is going on with this ER negative, but if she was ER positive again, would you also be bringing in a hormone? No. Okay. What do you think about the fact that she's now has an ER negative tumor? Well, you said she was ER positive, PR negative. How ER positive was she? So it was 2001, and it was done at Memorial, and it was just reported as positive and negative. And then we haven't retrospectively gone back and done it because I'm not sure it's going to change things. So it could have been truly an ER negative tumor or a very, very weakly ER positive tumor, which HER2 tumors tend to be. They tend to have low hormone receptor levels. Or 
maybe you killed off the ER positive component of her tumor and now mm -hmm. the ER negative component is coming back. What would you be thinking also, Frankie, in terms of... I agree. I wouldn't be thinking of hormones even if we had that. And I've had that situation happen too. Oh, they have a late relapse. They were HER2 positive in the old days. Fine, we biopsy them. Nope, that is not ER positive in that metastatic lesion. So I would agree with the trastuzumab and the nabpaclitaxel. And I would probably start out with the nabpaclitaxel and the trastuzumab alone without invoking the carboplatin at this point. She needs the zoledronic acid, obviously, in preference to the pemidronate because I think she has more aggressive disease. She needs something that works faster. And no, I wouldn't give any hormone therapy, even if she were, because of the potential pharmacokinetic interaction when you slow, tamoxifen at least slows cells down in late G1, I think. So they can't go through cycle mm -hmm. and therefore they can't be affected. The other options, obviously the Zolota and the Taxane is another option. And I have tried to use Zolota plus Abraxane. Plus Trastuzumab? Right, in situations like this. But again, it's insurance issues. You know, who's ever shown that capecitabine plus NAB, paclitaxel, there's no data, et cetera, except for the phase two trial, and that was booted out. But I think with the weekly, I love the weekly, just as was mentioned earlier, because then you can monitor patients. You haven't given your whole slug and you're down right. the tubes if the liver function. So have you decided what you're going to do yet? Yeah, so I started treating her in deference to the question about how much the carbo added. I think she was sick, but not super sick. So I started her on Edith's regimen with Taxol, 80 milligrams per meter squared, Carbo, AUC of 2. And in that trial, the Herceptin is weekly, but I made the Herceptin every three weeks just because it gets her out of there a little bit. And how is she doing? Is it too early to say? So she's had, you know, cycle one, week one, week eight. She had lots and lots of achiness after the first cycle. She just had her second cycle on Tuesday. She started on her bisphosphonate. Alan? Melody, could you comment on the data from ASCO that the carbo didn't add very much to the taxane, the data that was presented at ASCO? Right. So the 007 trial, which was taxotere 100 per meter squared plus trastuzumab versus taxotere 75 plus carbo with an AUC of 6 plus trastuzumab, there was no difference, but they changed the dose of the docetaxel there. And so it really wasn't a fair comparison, whereas Nick Robert's trial maintained the dose of the paclitaxel the same at 175, with or without carbo, and there was a difference. I just prefer Perez's regimen because it's better tolerated than that Q3 weekly regimen. I just sure. want to clarify before we move on, on the TEACH trial, was she eligible for that trial? I was she was eligible. That's an adjuvant, that was sort is that of, an adjuvant trial? That's an adjuvant it's trial. Like, delayed it's like the adjuvant MA-17. It's a delayed trial. I see. And so she was enrolled in... So she thought about it. Then her mom got sick. She came oh. down to Florida. So she never she, got right into before it. She, when she oh, called with the back pain. How long is she now since first diagnosis? Early 2002. So she's five years. five years from diagnosis. Do we know, obviously, we had a lot of sensitivity about the time course of recurrence in ER-positive disease. Melody, do we know anything about specifically ER-positive HER2-positive? Because people think HER2-positive early relapse. What do we know about the time course of HER2-positive disease, either ER-positive or ER-negative? Well, for ER-negatives, generally, when they relapse, they relapse early. But then there's the C-MIC issue that gets brought into this. And basically, if you're double amplified for HER2 and C-MIC, and you don't relapse within two years, you're probably not going to relapse. So I think there's a third what element. What about the ER positive, HER2 positive? Do you know which way it goes? I of? don't know the answer to that question. Well, obviously, here's a case. You know, well, actually, no, here's not a case, because now we have a question about the ER. We have had cases in here. I'm sure they occur. I'm sure you've seen, I don't know, have you seen people with HER2 positive, ER negative disease relapse at five years? I can't think of any. 
Interesting. I've seen an ER positive patient recur after, you know, participated in the B31 and actually got trastuzumab relapsed about three years later. So that was ER positive, HER2 positive. Andy? I have a question because when we run into these situations, when I have someone recur with metastatic disease, I'll always re-biopsy them to see if the ER has changed or the HER2 new. In a situation like this, because I deal with this also, you have many different metastatic sites. Not only the liver, you have METs in the lung and you have METs in the bone. You only biopsied the liver, right? Mm -hmm. Only tested that. So can we say for sure that she, the lung and the bone, also have no ER positivity? Or this is what I'm wondering, how heterogeneous or homogeneous is it? This woman progressed through hormonal treatment. However, suppose she only had one hormonal treatment. You re-biopsy her liver. She's ER negative. What are the chances that she still has ER positive disease in these other organs? It'd be interesting if you really wanted to find out. It seems like it'd be easy to study that by looking at autopsies and just looking at tumors in different locations. What do we know about ER or HER2 in different organs, Frankie? I'm not aware that there's a lot of heterogeneity in that area in terms of what was done clinically. I mean, the liver is a lot easier to get to than the lung, right. and it sounded like the lung lesions were not as, they were small. Yes. I mean, so you would but have you had, had a little bit more difficulty. And then, of course, the obvious thing is what's going to get you first? You have to treat that. I mean, you know, the bird in the hand versus the bird in the bush. Oh, absolutely. But again, just bringing up just the question hypothetically by saying, oh, she's definitely ER negative, are we excluding you know, hormonal treatment that she might benefit from. I mean, I got to say, knowing that the ER was done at Memorial makes me a little bit more curious about this situation. I mean, it's not like it's some place we don't know about. The flip side of it clinically is, is ideally she'll respond well to chemotherapy. And at some point in the course of her disease, I will re-challenge her with hormones regardless. So 